When the Roses Bloom Again by Lee McCusker Read by Sam Gabriel Based on the works of J.K. Rowling Chapter 50 An Eye for an Eye Fox had always been a light sleeper. Growing up in Wisconsin and living adjacent to a lumber yard should have conditioned her to slumber through almost anything, but she had never gotten used to the sound of sawing and falling trees early in the morning. Becoming a hit wizard had only made it difficult for her to sleep peacefully. The slightest disturbance would wake her. As Jennifer Dale, a girl who lived on a dairy farm, she'd had little to worry about in the way of danger. The worst she had to be aware of was the milking machinery malfunctioning or a cow getting loose. As a hit wizard, however, her life was under threat much of the time, and with what the world found itself embroiled in currently, she had never been at such risk. That was why she woke from the uncharacteristic rustling of the bushes outside her home. There was no summer breeze to be felt, so something or someone was out there. Listening carefully, it was impossible to miss the almost inaudible clicking of the lock on her front door, and the lack of response from her ward spoke more than an alert ever could. Whoever was here knew how to get past magical defenses. Wasting no more time, she rolled off her bed, cushioning her fall with a wave of her wand before tapping one of the floorboards beneath, revealing a spot she had created for herself just for emergencies like these. Shuffling her way in, the floorboards returned to where they had been, concealing her from view. She hadn't been dubbed Fox without reason. It had been Ghost that had given her the moniker. As temperamental as she could be, Fox was as cunning as they came, her wits and brilliance when needed having saved her and teammates from harm several times throughout her career. She was certainly not one to take chances, not even in her own home. Ghost and some of the others had said she was beyond paranoid, but it seemed her caution was paying off. Although she would not be heard, nor likely found in her den, it didn't prevent her holding her breath at the sound of approaching footsteps, nor wincing when her bedroom door creaked open. Silence followed for a few moments, before voices speaking in a tongue she didn't understand were heard. Six of them, the language likely to be Asian in origin. Fox remained still, listening as the voices became angry when they couldn't find her, and they left as suddenly as they arrived, even going to the trouble of locking the front door behind them. That meant they would be back. She didn't know how, but her safety had been compromised, and there was only one thing for it. When such a thing happened, there were regulations in place that were to be followed, and without preamble she did so. Making sure the men had indeed left, she gathered all her personal items and packed them into a trunk, activating her port key when she was certain nothing that could be linked to her had been left behind. So much for a week off. She grumbled to herself once she arrived in the reception area of the Department of Justice at the ICW headquarters. She had been home only for a few days, having been all but forced to take an extended break from Ghost, who believed the strain of the job was starting to have an effect on her work. Perhaps he had been right, but that didn't mean Fox had been happy about it. Still, her vacation had now been cut short in a worrying manner, and she needed to inform Ghost of this unwelcome development. Tapping her license with her wand, she headed towards his office, where he would arrive shortly in response to her alert, only for a frown to mar her features. The office door was open with the light on. Fox knew that Ghost often kept late and sometimes irregular hours, but he'd never been at work at 3 a.m. on a Monday morning, though she was quite relieved that she would not be kept waiting. The invasion of her home had left her quite shaken. Thank Merlin you're here, Ghost. Fox's heart dropped into her stomach like a lead weight as she took in the scene she came upon. 
Being a hit wizard, she had seen her fair share of the dead, the gruesome, and the seemingly more pleasant passings among them. She had even taken more than a few lives herself, but nothing could have prepared her for this. Face down on the floor, each with an arm severed at the forearm with no sign of the missing extremities, were three of her colleagues, Shadow, Falcon, and Storm. Next to them, deposited carelessly, though showing no signs of suffering, was the annoying, gum-chewing receptionist. But it was the last of them that made her feel physically sick. Ghost was slumped against the wall with one of his legs missing, his chin resting on his chest whilst he clutched a blood-stained photo of his wife in his right hand. He had died staring at it, and not peacefully. His broken wand lay next to the remains of his dismembered leg, with the one still attached having been broken. His face was horribly swollen where he had been neither beaten for sport, or as Fox believed was more likely, tortured for information. She swallowed deeply, knowing now was not the time for mourning. The ICW headquarters had been breached, and it was seemingly only her that knew. When had this happened? The building was empty for the most part over the weekends, only used if an emergency meeting was called for the representatives to attend, and judging by how much the blood pooled around Ghost had congealed, these were not fresh kills. No, they had been here for two days at least. It took little investigation on Fox's part to realize what the intruders had come for. Everything was here, but not the personnel files. The only question that remained was who. Who had managed to capture three hit wizards, get past the defenses of the ICW headquarters, and then kill Ghost in the pursuit of what they sought? He was one of the best she had ever met, and it would have taken someone of considerable skill to best him. But there had been more than one. The corpses of the three other hit wizards attested to that. There would be no need to keep three alive to transport one person here. Still, it didn't make it any clearer as to who had managed such a feat. Fox's blood ran cold as her mind drifted back to the voices she'd heard in her home. The men had been Asian, Middle Eastern, she believed, and reports had been made from the front line that Grindelwald had recruited men from across the continent. Grindelwald must have come for the files. And now that he had them, the entire department was in danger, as she had been only herself minutes before. He had dispatched men to kill them all whilst they were at home. Shadow's team had been the only operational group as far as Fox was aware, so Grindelwald just might succeed. Although it may already be too late, she took Ghost's license from his inside pocket and tapped it three times with her wand, holding it for several seconds on the third until the card started flashing red. Her colleagues needed to be warned, as did the Supreme Mugwump. With another tap, she sent the message to him also. It would take a little time for him and the rest of the representatives to arrive, and until then Fox would have to wait. She was in as much danger as the others, others who may not have been as fortunate as her in escaping those sent to put an end to them. Not that she was any safer here, but she had to be for when Abreu and the others arrived. Not wanting to remain with the bodies of her peers, she left the office, glancing a final time at Ghost as she wiped a tear from her eyes. When she got past the shock of what had happened, Fox had no doubt that an unavoidable grieving process would begin. For now, she needed to be strong for Ghost and for the others. Well, easy then, the voice of Abreu cut into her thoughts some time later. I don't appreciate being summoned at these ungodly hours. Whatever is wrong? Fox had been crying again not even feeling the tears running down her cheeks. Sorry, she offered, shaking her head. He's dead. Dead? Abreu pressed, 
Fox nodded. Murdered in his office with four others. The six guards that accompanied the Supreme Mugwump drew their wands immediately. Murdered in his office? Yes. Check it out, Abreu instructed one of his men. You fall, make yourself to the building. The men garbed in white followed his instructions, leaving one remaining behind with the Supreme Mugwump. Come, we will go to my office and you can explain what happened. It will be a while yet before any other arrives. Make sure it is clear, he added to the final guard. Fox followed Abreu until she found herself being helped into a chair, the flickering of the fire being lit, bringing her back to herself. I imagine you could use one of these, the Frenchman asked as he poured himself a measure of whiskey. Fox nodded gratefully and sipped the warming liquid when she had been handed a glass. Now what happened? Fox swallowed another mouthful of whiskey and placed the glass on the man's desk. I was woken in the early hours this morning, she began with a labored sigh. I don't sleep well anyway, but something was different about tonight. Something was off. I hid myself just before they got into my bedroom. They? I don't know for certain how many there were, but when they realized that I wasn't there, they left and even locked the door behind themselves. So they planned to return, Abreu murmured. Is there anything else you could tell me? They were Middle Eastern, I think. I couldn't understand the language they spoke. That would be easy enough to ascertain, Abreu replied dismissively. I assume you then came here. It's standard protocol if our safety has been compromised. And that's when you found. Abreu was cut off by the opening of his office as his men returned. The walls were down, but there's no sign of any intruders, one of them explained. The Department of Justice office is not good. They've been dead for two days at least. Abreu nodded. Why were you not here? He asked Fox. I was supposed to be having a week off, she explained. The only team that was active were the three other hit wizards in the office. So what happened to them? Fox shook her head. They must have been captured, but I don't see how. They were following some of Godier's men, and he even brought some in last week. Fox's eyes widened in retaliation. Godier must have sprung a trap on them. Abreu nodded his agreement. They used them to access the building, he grumbled to himself. To steal the files, Fox added. The files? The personnel files, that's how they found my address, she explained. The same files Sato tried to access when Ivan was in charge, Abreu whispered. Sato? My predecessor, Abreu reminded her. He attempted to access the files when he had no right to. That's why the serpent was given them, Fox mused aloud. That's why we couldn't find them. Why you recreated them, Abreu pointed out. Have you alerted the rest of the department? Fox nodded. I sent out an emergency beacon well over an hour ago, she said worriedly. I should have had a response by now. With what happened to Fedorov, Ghost implemented a rule that if an emergency beacon is received, it's to be prioritized over everything else, even if it means you have to break cover. Then why didn't he send one when the building was attacked? Abreu asked. Maybe he didn't have time, Fox sighed. Or maybe he didn't want to risk the hostages. Abreu nodded sympathetically. They would likely never know what had transpired in the office. The other hit wizards should have checked in within fifteen minutes, Fox explained. Abreu released a deep breath as he turned his attention towards his guards. When their representatives arrive, have them send for their commanders. They will need to be informed of what has happened. The guards nodded their understanding. And to find this young lady somewhere safe, she can rest for a while. What about the hit wizards? Fox asked worriedly. 
Abreu shook his head. If God dares, God not tell him, and they haven't checked in, we might assume the worst. Right now when they can be found, and the alga will be checked. I have a copy of the files here, Thoughts explained, removing the stack of parchment coat and sitted she kept as a backup to ensure they needn't have to carry out the process of gathering the information again in the future. We will just need the addresses, Abreu replied, seeing that Fox was reluctant to hand the files over. She took a few moments to write them down on a piece of parchment before sliding it over to Abreu. Now certainly spread out, he commented. They were. The hit wizards came from across the globe, too seldom from the same country. We will need international cooperation on this. The representatives can issue that through their own channels. For now you will need some rest. I will take it from here. Do we have suitable accommodation? Your safehouse in the south of France would be best, one of the guards suggested. He spoke in a soothing French accent, his look of concern seemingly genuine. Take her there and stay with her. If anything at all seems off, bring her back immediately. Of course, sir, the guard complied, offering Fox's hands to help her out of her seat. She accepted it, the exhaustion from her ordeal beginning to set in. All Fox wanted was to sleep, to wake up from that sleep, and all of this having been nothing more than a bad dream. Come on, the guard urged. Let's get you out of here. Fox could only nod and allow herself to be led from the office, doing her best to ignore the thoughts that her colleagues were all dead, along with Ghost and the others she had found. Bloody hell! If I knew I was going to spend this time getting my ass kicked, I would have stayed at the front, Gilbert wheezed. What the hell did I ever do to you, Moody? Gabriel grinned amusedly, nodding his approval at Charles. The Potter Lord had quite the ruthless streak about him, something that Harry knew was born from the same loss he'd experienced throughout his life, how about Huey Axley? I still wish you were at the front. Piss off, Moody, Axley groaned. I'd rather have Grindelwald's a lot take a crack at me than these two. You're a little spoiled, right? He added to Charles. And you. I don't know where you came from, but you're a natty little swine. Harry nodded his agreement as Yaxley pointed at him. You should both be grateful, Gabriel sighed. The lads will be joining our group at the front. Both Gilbert and Yaxley sobered. Will's boy? The latter questioned. Now we can't have him there, Gabriel. Will would kill us. That's not for us to decide, Gabriel pointed out. Charles is of age and can make his own decisions. And what about him? Gilbert pressed, nodding towards Harry. I'm here to make sure he doesn't die, Harry replied. Charles rolled his eyes whilst Gilbert and Yaxley laughed. You'll do a fine job of that, Yaxley huffed. My ribcage feels like it's somewhere in my bowels. You both got off lately, Gabriel warned. I've seen what these lads can do. Just you wait, they'll... What do you want? A young blonde had entered the training room. His eyes widened fearfully as he approached the famed auror. Mr. Modi, you've been summoned to an emergency meeting of the RCW. The blonde nodded. Bloody useless bastards, Moody grumbled. All right, you lot. You're done for the day. But I want you back at 5 a.m. tomorrow. And Gilbert, if I hear even a whisper of you being up to your old tricks, I'll smash your damned teeth in. With the threat ringing in their ears, Moody left the room. "'Your old tricks?' Charles asked. "'Gilbert here is only fighting to avoid a long stint in Azkaban for being in possession of things he shouldn't have,' Yaxley explained with a chuckle. "'Mind, he is useful to have around. He can get his hands on just about anything you could want.' "'What if I wanted a dragon?' Herrick questioned. Gilbert scratched his chin thoughtfully. "'I reckon I could arrange that, but it would cost you.' 
Harry snorted at the seriousness of the answer. If Gilbert could indeed procure a dragon, he would certainly be useful to know. Don't even think about it, Charles warned. The last thing we need is you flying around on one of those things. You're dangerous enough without a dragon. Gilbert and Yaxley laughed. Pint, the latter asked. It's a bit early in the day, Charles pointed out. When you're fighting at a war, it's never too early for a drink, Yaxley replied. You'll learn that soon enough, he added before he and Gilbert left the room to find a pub that would be open. Is it that bad? Charles asked. Probably worse than you could imagine, Harry sighed, wondering what emergency had befallen the ICW now. Breakfast, Charles suggested. Harry nodded. Why not? he agreed. Whatever had happened at the ICW was none of his concern anymore, not for the time being at least. Goat and Fox had everything in hand, or so they thought, and Harry had other things to focus on. Soon enough he and Charles would be dispatched to the front lines, but before then he had a day or so where his work could continue. But in France he intended to do so anyway, but it would become more difficult to do when he was surrounded by men who would notice his absences, unless he was to change tact slightly. Harry nodded to himself, an idea forming, and though it was unlikely to last forever or hold up against much scrutiny if someone took an unhealthy interest in his movements, it was better than nothing. Doing nothing was unacceptable. Just because he would be on the front, it didn't mean he had to cease his current efforts, did it? Your work is as impeccable as ever, Gilbert praised. Cassiopeia was breathing heavily a sheen of perspiration prominent across her brow. I still cannot land a spell on you, she pointed out breathily. Gilbert chuckled as he placed a hand on her shoulder. Only because you taught me how to defend against the magic you wield so well, he replied. If anything, you taught me too well. Cassiopeia smiled, an expression that slipped as Gautier swaggered into the room, looking incredibly pleased with himself. They're dead, the German declared happily. I lost twelve men, but we got them. All of them, Gilbert pressed. Well, we missed one, but we will be going back tomorrow night. She won't even know we were there. Gilbert nodded satisfactorily. Good, he murmured. Without the hit wizards interfering, you should have no issues with continuing to add to our numbers. Of course, Gautier vowed. Once they are rested, my men will be back at it immediately. Gilbert smiled at the first shred of good news he'd had in a while. With more men being brought to him by Sato in the coming months, and the numbers that Gautier would convince to join them, Gilbert would not be so limited on what plans he could implement. He needed only to exercise a little more patience, and then he'd have his enemies surrounded. They wouldn't be able to keep up a war of attrition when they couldn't fathom where he would strike from next. Gabriel couldn't believe what he was hearing, nor could the other commanders or representatives of the ICW that had been called to gather. Grindelwald had struck quite the blow against them, and though the hit wizards were no longer directly involved in the fighting, they were amongst the most skilled men and women at their disposal. What of this serpent? Doge asked worriedly. Abreu shook his head, a slight grin tugging at the corner of his lips. We have no reason to believe that he was a victim of these attacks. He did not submit his personal information to the department when requested. He had his reservations in doing so, as such Grindelwald could not have obtained it. Even Gabriel felt the collective relief those within the chambers exhibited. In normal circumstances, he would not tolerate the input of a vigilante, but the serpent had done more for the war effort than any other as far as he was concerned. So he doesn't know about this, Doge pressed. Unlikely, Ebrow sighed. 
Only us here. And to my forgotten of all use, to carry out these attacks, nor of them for the time being, I doubt such a victory for him will remain quiet for long. And do we have any idea who staged these attacks? Hans Gautier, Abreu informed them darkly. The three wizards that were used as transport to headquarters were failing him according to Fox. They fell foul in their affairs and were used before being disposed of along with the head of department. Gabriel shook his head. He could not refute that the move was a brilliant one, though not for the ICW and their allies. It was a disaster. Now we're assuming that they're all dead, Abreu nodded grimly. We're only process of checking on them all. The twenty-one we have reached thus far have all been killed, and since none have arrived to answer the emergency beacon that was sent, I can confirm we are not holding out much hope. Gabriel had heard all he needed to. The ICW knew the hit wizards were dead, as did everyone else in the room. What happens now? he asked. In light of what has happened, there is little that can be done, Abreu sighed. The hit wizards cannot function with only one of them, and we will not currently be recruiting more. Not when it is impossible to know who can be trusted. Gabriel nodded his agreement along with most others. I also stationed a group of men at the Fox's house following Grindelwald's memory down. From our preliminary investigation, we have discovered they were speaking Arabic. Only adding credence to the rumors of Grindelwald recruiting in the Middle East, we plan to take them alive and see if there is anything of worth they can tell us. The gathered representatives murmured their agreement. Might I make a suggestion? Moody called. Go ahead, Abreu urged. You say that this won't be kept quiet for long. I think it would be best if the news came from us directly, and as quickly as possible in every publication and outlet that can be managed. Gabriel's suggestion was met with some mutterings of skepticism. Should this not be kept as quiet for as long as possible? The Spanish representative asked. Gabriel shook his head. The longer it's kept quiet, the longer it would take for suitable repercussions to be had. You do say the serpent is unlikely to know about this, especially if he has refused to answer his summons recently. Do you not think that he would be compelled to strike back for what happens to his colleagues? Moody, you're as bloody mad as the rest of your kin, Doge declared. But it could work, couldn't it? Abreu nodded thoughtfully. Well, if he follows the pattern of his previous form, it is likely he would act. At the very least, a public showing from him would soften the blow of this most dreadful news. So we should let the press, George asked. I think it would be for the best that we do, Abraham mused aloud, the first signs of a smile showing since the meeting had begun. Gabriel felt guilty for using the serpent in this way, but he felt it was the best course of action in response to what had happened. The serpent would learn what had befallen his colleagues, and Grindelwald would lose the satisfaction of using his actions as a way to add to his numbers. It was the best the ICW forces could hope for in a situation where there was such a small victory to be had. The Gaunts, Tom muttered to himself, running his finger over the family tree he had uncovered in the Hogwarts library. It hadn't been updated since the mid-1800s, but he was getting closer to the answers he sought. He could feel he was on the right track to discovering just who his mother or father was. With what information he had gleaned from Slughorn, he had almost all the pieces of the puzzle he needed. The difficulty now lied in assembling it. Perhaps a trip to the Ministry during the summer would be beneficial? The Mughal governors kept files of records on British citizens. Surely the Ministry of Magic did also. For Tom, there was only one way to find out. 
He wouldn't discuss the matter with anyone, not even Slughorn, who would immediately know what Tom was doing. It was best none became aware of it. Tom wasn't sure what he would do when he eventually met the Gaunts, or the Riddle family, whoever they were. More than anything, he wanted to sate his curiosity about just where it was he came from, how he was connected to the great Salazar Slytherin. Was he Tom's several times over great-grandfather? We will know soon enough, he hissed at the little adder he had found slithering amongst the trees at the edge of the forbidden forest. Folding up the family tree and placing it within his robes, he turned his attention to the copy of Hogwarts A History. There was an entire section devoted to his ancestor, most of it not casting Slytherin in a favorable light. According to the book, Salazar detested muggles and muggleborns, so much so that he found himself at odds with the other three founders when they insisted that they be allowed to be educated in the castle. Ultimately, the difference of opinion had been the cause for Salazar eventually leaving the castle, but that was not what had caught Tom's attention. The Chamber of Secrets. The book mentioned that Salazar had created a secret chamber within the school, a place that could only be accessed by Slytherin himself and his descendants. Tom knew that this could merely be speculation, but he would be foolish not to investigate the possibility. If Slytherin did in fact leave the castle, it could be that there was a room at Hogwarts that no other since the founder himself had been in. The treasures within could be invaluable. The thought filled Tom with a sense of excitement. He may be unable to do much about the gaunts or riddles for the time being, but he spent nine months a year in the castle. If there was indeed a chamber of secrets, Tom would find it. "'What the hell is he doing, summoning us at this time of the night?' Charles yawned as he and Harry made their way through the atrium of the Ministry. "'Knowing Moody, probably another test,' Harry sighed. It was past midnight, and though Harry had yet to go to bed, he was not in the mood to be tested. He was tired, and he hadn't seen Minerva for days whilst the school exams were being conducted. "'Wands, please, gentlemen,' the guard at the desk requested. "'We have been asked to submit our wands before,' Charles replied. We're training with Otto Moody. No policy, the guard grunted. All wands must be registered upon entry to the ministry. Charles frowned, but handed over his wand. The guard didn't read out the components aloud, but put the piece of parchment that was printed from the odd device on a spike that held a few others already registered. Harry followed suit, and the guard shot him a look of curiosity, but didn't comment, placing the parchment with his details on top of Charles's. Through you go, gents, he instructed. With a shake of his head, Harry led the way to the golden-gated lifts, where the two of them were propelled through the floors of the Ministry until they reached the Department of Magical Law Enforcement. The rest of the building was empty, but here there were Aurors still on duty, most of them bleary-eyed, likely having worked exceedingly long shifts. None paid Harry nor Charles any heed as they made their way through to the offices of the senior Aurors, where they found an equally tired Gabriel Moody nursing a glass of fire whiskey behind his desk. You sent for us, Harry said by way of greeting. Moody looked up at them, his countenance quite different from the laughing, amused man they had seen that morning. Aye, lads, he confirmed. Your father became a dear friend of mine, and I'm in a position where I want to do right by him and by you, he said to Charles. Against my better judgment, I'll be taking you both to the front tomorrow afternoon. As much as William will have my balls on a platter, you shouldn't be denied the chance to fight. Tomorrow? Charles questioned. Moody nodded. What's happened? Harry asked. Gabriel snorted into his glass, though he smirked. 
Just the ICW buggering things up again, he sighed. The bloody hit wizards have only gone and been killed. Harry felt his blood run cold at the revelation. All of them? he asked, ignoring the burning stare of Charles. Nay, only the deputy head of the department escaped. The rest? He left the sentence hanging before a frown marred his features. Oh, and the serpent. He might well be alive since Grindelwald's loss didn't get his address. Fox was alive, but that meant Ghost had been killed. What happened? Harry asked. Moody shrugged. Grindelwald somehow got into the ICW headquarters and caught the head of the department alone. He helped himself to some files and left behind a few bodies in the process. His lot used the personnel files to find the rest of them. Took them out in a simultaneous attack, apparently. Harry released a deep breath. This is what Ivan feared, and why he had left Harry the personnel files. Neither way, the war is about to heat up, I imagine. The ICW wants to take this laying down, and I don't suppose the Serpent will be pleased when he hears of it. They reckon Grindelwald only did what he did to find him. Harry's nostrils flared slightly at the implication that he would be blamed for what had happened to the other hit wizards. He wouldn't feel guilty for being the one who had done more to put an end to Grindelwald, not when the ICW had been idle for too long whilst their enemy accumulated power. No, he wouldn't feel guilty. But that didn't mean Grindelwald's transgression would go unpunished. He had become quite adept at evening things up when necessary. It was going to get worse eventually, he pointed out. He wasn't going to remain content with how things are. Moody nodded. Nay, but this will be seen as quite the blow, he sighed. The hate wizards are seen as those that save the world from the monsters that even the Ministry's best can't slay. Anyway, that's a problem for the ICW, but it means that I need to spend more time at the front, so I'll be taking the two of you with me. If that is still what you want. It is, Charles replied immediately. Yes, Harry added his mind already focused on what subtle repercussions were to be exacted upon Grindelwald. Then be here at midday. Until then, get some rest, Moody advised. You're going to need it. With a nod, Harry and Charles took their leave from the Department of Magical Law Enforcement and the Ministry itself. It was when they were walking towards the alleyway, where they were allowed to apparate from, that Charles took Harry firmly by the arm. Are you the serpent? he asked bluntly. Took you long enough to work out? Harry replied with a sad smile. Charles shook his head in confusion. But I don't understand, Charles sighed. You're really him? In response, Harry hissed gently, and a long cobra slithered itself halfway out of his palm, its hood flared and tongue tasting the air around them. Bloody hell, Charles gasped, taking a step back. So, you're a descendant of Slytherin? Not really. Harry denied. I don't quite understand how, but the man who killed my parents gave me some of his powers when he tried to kill me. This is one of them. He didn't even know where to begin discussing the topic of Horcruxes or the prophecy that hung over him. Transferred some of his powers to you? So he must be a descendant of Slytherin? Yes, Harry confirmed. Charles released a deep breath. He tried to kill you too, then? Yes. Charles shook his head as he offered Harry a look of sympathy. I don't even know what to say. Then don't say anything, Harry urged. This is what I am. You mean Harry Evans? A stupid prat that caused me problems from day one. Harry snorted before nodding. That's about right. Well, 
At least I know I'll have one of the best watching my back. Even if he is crazier than Moody. You can't tell anyone, Charles, Harry said urgently. It would put so many people in danger. Charles nodded his understanding. Who else knows? Only a few, Harry replied. Minerva, Dippet, Dumbledore, Knot, and the Flamels. You can trust me, Harry, Charles assured him. Now get some rest. It's a big day tomorrow. The serpent finally enters the war. He offered Harry a grin and a wink before vanishing, and Harry followed only a moment later, but Godric's Hollow wasn't his destination. He had other things to attend to before he was due to meet Moody later in the day. It was around 3 a.m. that Gabriel found himself peering through a pair of omnioculars over the edge of one of the trenches, waiting for any sign of movement in no man's land. As planned, the news of what had happened to the witnesses had been broken in the evening edition of The Prophet, and Gabriel was eager to see if the response from the serpent would be instant. He won't come tonight, he actually whispered from next to him. He would have been by now. Gabriel was inclined to agree with the man, but he couldn't help but feel a little disappointed that the serpent hadn't shown. With a nod, he was readying himself to abandon his post when an almighty shrieking sound was heard in the darkness, followed by distant screams of agony. Pressing the omnioculars to his eyes once more, he scanned the land between the ICW trenches and those belonging to Grindelwald's forces, but there was nothing to be seen, and silence reigned. What the hell was that? He actually questioned, his eyes wide. Gabriel said nothing, his own drawn to a sudden eruption of emerald fire as the mark of the serpent illuminated the sky. But it did not hang alone. Floating around the flames were men, writhing as the fire licked at them almost playfully, teasing them with its searing heat. For some time nothing else happened until a lone figure appeared before the symbol. That's Grindelwald, Yaxley hissed. Even from this distance, the pale skin and white hair was unmistakable, the wand he clutched, the bringer of death for many. With practiced ease, he wielded it now, a bright blue column of fire spewing from the tip, only for the mark of the serpent to grow brighter, the snake that made it the center line pushing its head outwards until it was almost face to face with the Dark Lord. An eye for an eye! It spoke in a raspy voice that was almost painful to listen to. With its message given, the snake retreated before a loud, familiar hissing filled the air. With another shriek, the flames stopped their teasing, engulfing the men that dangled helplessly around it. They screamed only for a few seconds before they fell silent, and the symbol exploded in a shower of sparks, searing the ground as they landed. Cowards! Grindelwald roared. The men of the ICW trenches cheered, some shouting profanities at the furious Dark Lord. Gabriel merely grinned to himself as he placed his omnioculars back in his pocket, his plan having come together better than he could have hoped. Bells up, you gobby bastards, he instructed the men still goading from the vault, and get to bed or I'll put you to work. The trench cleared quickly, and Gabriel remained where he was for a moment, taking in the smell of burning flesh that one never got used to. It was easy to get caught up in a moment of victory, but victory always came at a price. In only a matter of weeks, they'd lost William Potter, amongst many other men Gabriel had come to know well over the past months, and the entire team of hit wizards, well, most of them at least. These small victories would keep up the morale of the men, but it wouldn't be the attacks of the serpent that won them the war. 
No, that could only come on the battlefield, where even more would meet their end. Melon, what is that smell? Chalice asked, his nose wrinkling at the putrid stench that filled his nostrils. That would be the smell of death and shit, a shirtless man sharpening a knife called, laughing to himself. Shut up, Goff, Moody snapped. Unless you want your balls kicked into your throat, I'd be quiet. The man, Goff, merely grunted and continued sharpening his knife. It bloody stinks, Chalice muttered. Aye, Moody agreed. The heat doesn't help with the dead bodies, he added, nodding towards the land between the two trenches. Although there were not many, the summer sun baking the corpses was enough to turn even the strongest of stomachs. What happened to them? Charles asked. Some got careless. Others were dealt with by the serpent last night. Charles turns towards Harry, who remained stoic as he nodded. Your room is just down there, Moody explained, breaking into his thoughts. Keep it clean, look after your hands and feet, and keep your head down at the front of the trenches. Grindelwald's men will have a crack at you if you give them the chance. It's a shit way to go. And the room they were shown into wasn't much more than a hole that had been dug into the side of the trench. There were no windows, and only a couple of thin mattresses on the floor. I'll let you get settled in, and as you're new, you'll be on guard duty tonight, Moody explained. Anything you need, let me know. With that, he left, closing the door behind him. You came here last night, Chalice whispered. There were many things he wanted to ask Harry, and many more he wished to discuss with his friend, but all of it seemed so unimportant now. Had Chalice not lost his own father, perhaps they would be more pressing, but more than ever, he understood Harry, could empathize with the boy whose parents had been murdered when he was a babe. It irrevocably changes you as a person, and the things that Chalice may have questioned once upon a time did not warrant a second thought. Harry was doing what he felt was right, to ensure that what had happened to him throughout his life did not befall others. I was, Harry confirmed unashamedly. Charles nodded at his acceptance. What about when you're here? How are you going to be the serpent? He whispered. Well, you could always help me with that, Harry replied. Just because I'm here, it doesn't mean the serpent can't be too. Charles frowned thoughtfully for a moment. So long as Grindelwald pays for what he did to my father, I will help you, he declared. I want him dead, Harry, but I want him to suffer first. Then we will make it happen, Harry returned, offering his hand. Charles accepted it, pleased he had someone who understood what it was he had gone through. He had meant what he said. So long as Grindelwald suffered, he didn't care what had to be done, even if it meant he'd have to make a deal with the devil. Perhaps he already had. Charles wasn't intimately familiar with all the serpent had done, but he was aware of the reputation the man had. Grindelwald's men certainly thought him to be a monster of sorts, a devil in his own right, if you will. But if the war was going to be won, and the man that had slain his father was to be brought to justice, it was people like Harry they needed. It was a person like Harry that Charles needed to overcome in his own right. Grindelwald's men feared the serpent, but soon enough they would come to whisper of Charles Potter and how he sought Grindelwald's head for the father that had been ripped away from him. For this and other stories by the same author, visit leemacusker.com, as well as the fanfiction.net page of The Black's Resurgence. Music by Dr. James Benigoff and Sam Gabriel. If you would like to commission me to record a story, voiceover, or character, please get in touch using the contact information on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. 
and there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as links to my Patreon page, to which I hope you consider subscribing to support me, and my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.